Well, good morning, everyone. Um, pray for the mission team. They're on their way back right now. They may be listening uh, to our service. Hopefully they are. Um, they give us a report next week. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this series. I was telling somebody it's a challenge for you all to pick the topic for the sermon, <laughs> or at least the movie. Uh, you did a good job again this week, or this decade, the 70s, by picking Rocky, because in 1976, Rocky was the number one grossing film. Now, it came out on November 21st, which is odd because that's a Sunday. The reason I know it's a Sunday is I got married two days before that, and it was a Friday night. So two days after I was married, this movie came out, or Deb and I was married. Uh, cost about a million bucks to make and grossed over 200 million. That's a pretty good return, right? There's been actually eight movies in this series, six of them with the title Rocky and two of them with the title Creed. Uh, the first one, this Rocky, uh, was the number one grossing movie that year uh, within only six weeks. It was the number one grossing movie. It was nominated for 10 Academy Awards and actually won three, one of which was uh, Best Picture. Um, as I was thinking about the movie and watched it and so forth, this is what came to mind to me, something that Vince Lombardi said. He was a coach of the Green Bay Packers back in the 60s. Those of us can remember that. The Packers won the first two Super Bowls. So he was a Super Bowl champion the first two years. Anyway, here's what he said. Of course, this is about football. It does not matter how many times you get knocked down, but how many times you get up. And that's kind of what I thought of when I thought about Rocky. And why do, why do we love the Rocky movie? Almost everybody's watched the Rocky movie, and it's a, it's a boxing movie. Gee whiz. Uh, it's not because, you know, Rocky's so intelligent, or we like the way he talks, his accent, or whatever. But it's a, it's a movie about heart. It's about a movie about survival. He, 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 he's an uh, uh, underdog, uh, if you will. We seem to uh, like underdogs. But anyway, <clears throat> this was fascinating. Somebody leaving the first service this morning said, hey, I got something about, uh, about I can tell you about Rocky. Rocky actually grew up in the suburbs of D.C., and uh, her first husband went to elementary school with Rocky. Is that a co strange coincidence or what? But anyway, when he got to high school, he got expelled from 14 high schools. Imagine that, 14 high schools. He uh, was in the foster care system. His parents didn't get along, and so he got knocked down quite a bit as a young person. When he wrote the script, he was a struggling actor. He wrote the script, and... Somebody, want, a producer wanted to buy it for $125,000. was a lot of money to him. He was very poor. But he insisted to be the lead, and the guy didn't want him to be the lead. So then he offered him $250,000 if he wouldn't be the lead, and he still turned him down. So eventually this guy produced the film, paid him a lot less, and, of course, Rocky uh, starred in the film. So Rocky gets, gets knocked down, obviously, uh, he's the first one to ever knock down the champ, Apollo Creed. Um, but he keeps getting back up. And we, you and I are going to get knocked down. And we're fighting a battle. Life's a battle, right? Uh, whether you're talking about visible enemies or invisible enemies. And so we're going to get knocked down. So the, the key is, will we get back up? I read a, a quote this week um, that said this. Uh, it was a preacher, actually. Um, Chuck Swindoll said this a long time ago. 
He said, I believe life is 90% attitude and 10% what happens to you. And I thought, wow, that's pretty awesome. So the first clip I'm going to show you is actually when the fight's over and the announcer's going to say something uh, about this topic. Greatest display of guts and stamina we've ever seen in the ring. So Rocky gets knocked down, but he lasts to the end of the fight. <clears throat> Split decision, and Apollo Creed wins. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So talking about knocking that, getting knocked down. We get knocked down, but we don't get knocked out uh, if you're a Jesus follower. And we're going to look at something that Paul wrote, and it's an encouragement to us when life gets difficult. So first is this. We have unwavering power. So we have unwavering power. We won't necessarily get knocked down. I mean, we can't, once we get knocked down, we can always get back up. So this is going to be out of a book of the Bible called Romans. Paul's writing the Romans and uh, church. And uh, some of this is going to be familiar to some of you. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? You have to read the, <laughs> the previous part of the book to, to understand that. Chapter one, 8, verse 1 talks about there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's going to come up again in this passage. He says, what should we say about such wonderful things as these? So he's asking a question. He wants us to think about this. So what is the question? If God is for us, well, I guess you could say he's not, but if God is for us, then who can be against us? Let's think about this, okay? We have an almighty, all-powerful God, and if he's for us or if we're on his side, who or what could be on the other side? Well, if God's all-powerful, nothing else is all-powerful, so we're on the winning side, right? Who has superior power? Well, God always superior power to matter what's on the other side. So he says, if God's for us, who can be against us? Uh, old country preacher was asked, well, why do you believe in this, you know, God all-powerful, all victory type stuff? And he said, well, I read in the book that God was in charge at the beginning, and I read in the book that God's in charge at the end. So I don't think anybody can whoop him in between. <laughs> I think whoop him's a good word, right? So nobody's going to whip God. If we're a child of God, if we're a Jesus follower, uh, God is for us. And if God is for us, doesn't matter who might be against us. And I, I know, I get frustrated and I, and I think about the world and I think, well, it just seems like evil's winning, right? We see so many... Uh, marriages and families torn apart. Sylvester Sloan was in the foster care system. Uh, you know, uh, sex trafficking, abortion, uh, just decay of moral, moral values. Uh, just looks like evil or, 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 or bad's winning, God's not winning. But we're assured that God is winning and will continue to win. Um, he's all powerful. So uh, probably... Some of our favorite part of the movie is the training regiment of Rocky, and we won't show it all to you, but the most iconic scene from the movie and the song is in Rocky's training at the end. Um, just say that he runs up these steps, and at the beginning of his training, he can hardly make it up these steps. But we're going to watch the clip where he's training and finishes his training. Okay, tremendous example of Physical strength. Somebody asked me if I was going to be doing those push-ups. I'll do them for you some other time, okay? <laughs> so we have unwavering power, 
if we're tapped into the power source of God. Uh, Paul goes on and talks about <clears throat> we have unlimited resources. Now, this is interesting to me, our supply, unlimited supply. I'm a history major, a college history major, and so I'm interested in history. And two mighty armies have tried to conquer Russia in, our, in history, in recent history anyway, last 300 years. First was Napoleon. Most people have heard of Napoleon, right? He was beat just about everybody else. So he was trying to beat, beat the Russians, and he was defeated. Napoleon had a superior army, had superior weapons. He still lost. Hitler, World War II, he too tried to conquer Russia. And superior army, superior weapons, and he still lost. You know the re- basic reason why both those armies lost, de- trying to defeat Russia besides the Russian winner, is because for an su- uh, uh, army to be successful, it has to have supplies, right? We call that supply line, and that is critical. And as, the, as you journey farther and farther into Russia, the supply lines get longer and longer, and consequently the army eventually loses. The size of Russia and the winner defeats it because the, the army, no matter their superior army, superior weapons, doesn't have sufficient supplies. Uh, Paul puts it this way in Romans 8, 32. He says, Since he, God, did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? So what's the most precious thing to God in the universe? His son Jesus. So if he would give the most precious thing, what would limit him from giving less precious things? And again, he has unlimited resources. We're going to see that in the next verse. So if he won't hold back the most precious thing, he's certainly not going to hold back other things. Most of you know a couple months ago we were in Israel and one of the last days we got to visit a place called Masada. It's basically this old uh, fortress or, or palace on top of a mountain in the desert. And here's one picture from up top <laughs> looking down into the desert and that's the Dead Sea on the horizon. And the next picture is uh, looking out to the, uh, another direction. You can see the height and this is part of the ruins of the palace that Herod, back in Jesus' day, Herod built. Well, in 70 A.D., the Romans conquered or reconquered Israel, destroyed the temple in, in Jerusalem, and some of the people fled to Masada. And so this logical thing to do, it was too high to just defeat the, defeat the rebels, so they besieged it, put the army around it, saying, okay, you can't get supplies in or out, so that we'll defeat you that way. Uh Uh-uh. They have a water system on top of this mountain in the desert. Consequently, they were able to grow food, and they were able to resist the siege for seven years. The only way the Romans defeated them was they built it on the backside. It's not as high. They built this ramp, big, long dirt ramp, and eventually it was able to get up to the top. So the the key to, to success or defeat in a battle or a siege is supplies or supply line. Now, some of you here last week, we dedicated our pavilion. That was pretty cool. And I told you, I'd give you some statistics. Well, the cost up to this point, including the tables, was just like $30,500. We might buy a few other things and gutters and some other things. Uh, to this point, money has been given all except for $1,000 of that. So, um, if some money comes in the next couple of weeks, then it'll be all paid for. Isn't that awesome? 
That's God's provision, right? Or God's supply for that. Now, on the other hand, we have been kind of knocked down as a church, knocked down financially because we are operating in the red this year. Um, we are over $10,000 in the red for the first six months. We're going to change our budget for the last six months. We want to be doing more, but you can only do it with what you have, right? So my request of you is to pray about our budget because we're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. And next Sunday is our 30th anniversary of this church. The first service met 30 years ago, first Sunday in August. And this was fascinating to me. You know where they met? They started meeting in Choosville Community Center, but they couldn't get inside. So you know where they met? In the pavilion. First church service of this church was in a pavilion. So pray about our budget. We never finished any of the 30, 29 years in the red. And so not only do we do fine this next six months, I'd like us to erase the deficit from the first six months. So pray with me about that. Uh, God supplies. Um, in Philippians, Paul addresses the same topic. Verse familiar to some of you. And this same God who take care, uh, takes care of me, Paul talking about himself, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, unlimited resources, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So in Christ Jesus, we have access to the resources of God. And so it's more than just what we need. We get more, obviously, than what we need. Probably the most poignant part of the movie to me is this next scene. It's the night before the fight. And Rocky's been out walking around through the city. He comes in and has this conversation with Adrian, his girlfriend. <clears throat> okay, he comes to the realization he can't win. I mean, this is the world champion boxer. He can't beat him technically beat him. So he says, it doesn't really matter. What really matters is if I can go the distance. If when that final bell rings, I'm still standing. So he has his victory inside this uh, boxing match. He said, you know, I'm a nobody from the neighborhood, but I won't be just a nobody from the neighborhood uh, if I can do that. If I have the resources to make it to the end of the fight. So we're knocked down sometimes, but we're never going to be knocked out because we have unwavering power and unlimited resources, but also unrelenting forgiveness. And this is huge. In fact, I'm going to talk about forgiveness next week. But anyway, uh, Paul goes on and says this. So with this context, he says this. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? So I'm a child of God. Who dares accuse us? Who dares point a finger at us? Who dares, you know, um, condemn us? No one. That's his answer. Who, who could be? For God himself has given us right standing with himself. <clears throat> then he goes on. Who then could condemn us? And again, the answer is the same. No one. No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and raised to life for us. I thought this was pretty cool. What was the ultimate knockdown in the history of the world? The cross, right? That the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, was nailed to a cross and died. And Satan thought he won, right? He had killed God's Son. But you can't keep God down, you can't keep a good man down, as they say. And so three days later, the, the tomb is empty. Knocked down, but not knocked out. And raised in victory. 
And so Paul says, no one for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He was knocked down, but he got back up. And he is sitting at the, in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. This is so cool. It's like God's our lawyer. He's pleading for us, our case in heaven. And not only is he our lawyer, but he also is the one that provides the payment for the penalty. So it's like if I get a fine of a million dollars and my lawyer pays the fine. Can you imagine that? <laughs> That's what Jesus has done for us. He's paid the fine. He died in our place. Uh, he paid the penalty, the complete penalty, the whole penalty. And so there's no charge against us. We are declared not guilty. We're sinners, but because of Jesus, we can be declared not guilty. How awesome is that? Now, there's a thing in our law system called double jeopardy, right? So once you're declared not guilty, can you be tried for that same offense again? No, you can't. So we are declared not guilty. We are not guilty. Now, one of the problems we have as Jesus followers is what I call the paralysis of guilt. We've done some things. Probably we've done some bad things. Maybe you think some really bad things. You might even think some unforgivable things. <clears throat> and so we are paralyzed. We have access to this power, but we operate as if we have no power because of guilt. Forgiveness means as if it never happened. So if God has forgiven you for whatever that is that you can't forgive yourself of, God is acting or treating you and I as if it never happened. And that's um, a lie of Satan if we believe that, uh, don't believe that. And we need to do that so we are empowered. So we're knocked down, but never knocked out because we have this unwavering power power source of the universe, unlimited resources, unrelenting forgiveness, and we have unending love. And this part is probably the longest and maybe the most famous part of this passage and I think the key verses in this section. So then Paul says, okay, can anything ever separate us then from Christ's love? We have this forgiveness. So can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have terrible calamity or persecution, troubles or calamity or persecution? Now, you have to realize that the early church had severe persecution. We think we're persecuted here. No, 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 no. Other parts of the world maybe, but not here. But the early church was, and Paul's writing to them and said, no, 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 no. It does, just because things aren't going well, maybe you're even being persecuted, uh, maybe it's really severe, he says, no, no, no. That can not separate us from God's love. Or hunger or destitute or danger. Most of us aren't, but some people in the world, and they possibly were. Or even threatened with death. Uh, there's no greater motivator than love. We will do almost anything for love. Paul said in another place, I believe it was Paul, that Christ's love compels me, it forces me, I've got to do this, because love is a motivating uh, force. And then I just love the 37th verse, and I think this may be the, the key here. No, despite all these things, no matter what's happening in your world and my world, uh, what's happening in their world, despite all these things, this translation says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Uh, some translation says more than conquerors. A little kind of confusing terminology, right? How can you be more than a conqueror? It's like a hyper-conqueror or a super-conqueror. We have superheroes. Uh, Superman and all those things. Well, we are super conquerors through Christ. 
So then he goes on and says, so I am convinced. That means beyond a shadow of a doubt, <laughs> I am convinced. So the question is, are you and I convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, period? So he lists some examples. Death can't, no, absent for the body present with the Lord, right? Death can't, life can't, angels can't, or the demons, good side or bad side. Neither are fears for today, nor are worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, no matter how powerful that might be. He goes on, no power in the sky above or the earth beneath. Indeed, <laughs> nothing in all creation, nothing in the universe, seen or unseen, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is real in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, probably one of the most comforting promises in Scripture. We talked about a fight of faith is fought with the promises of God. Well, here's a tremendous promise of God. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. There's tremendous security in that. Uh, you, need, you and I need not doubt God's love. There's nothing you and I can do to, to push God away. There's nothing you and I can do to have God stop loving us. There's nothing you and I can do to make God love us any more or any less than he does right now. Now, it's fascinating to me. I'm going to show you this short clip from the end of the movie. Rocky's just completed this tremendous feat of staying on his feet 15 rounds with the champion. Nobody else has ever done that. But what's the one thing on his mind? Complicated dialogue, right? <laughs> I love you. No, I love you. I love you. I love you. That's how the movie ends. By the way, you know what reason he talks the way he does? A doctor uh, damaged one of his nerves in his face when he was a kid. That's one reason he talks that way. So in Rocky Five, we're not going there, but just a minute. In Rocky Five, Rocky has this protege, younger, stronger guy that he's been training. They get into this fight, a street fight near the end. And the guy knocks Rocky down. Looks like Rocky's going to be uh, defeated. And then he remembers a scene from his trainee, trainer, Mickey. Mickey's dead at this point. And this, this quote comes to mind to Rocky. He says, get up because Mickey loves you. The motivation of love. And Rocky gets up and he defeats his protege. So well, here's what I'd like to leave with you this morning. I'd like you to say, we'll, we'll change that a little bit. Get up because Jesus loves you. Get up. Where have you been knocked down in your life? In relationships, financially, health-wise, spiritually, physically, emotionally. How you been, where how you been knocked down? Get up, because Jesus loves you. So, we're knocked down, but not knocked out, because we have unwavering power, access to God, unlimited power of God. Uh, back up a second. <laughs> uh, unlimited supply. We got this God supply of the universe. This unrelenting forgiveness. God pursues us, loves us, and wants to forgive us. And so hopefully you do the homework. It'll be homework every week. This hour we have together is great, but life's a lot longer than that, right? And so here's the homework assignment for this week. In what area of your life you've been knocked down? Where is it? Apply God's promises and get back up. That's my challenge for you and 
for me this week. I believe we got a preview of where we're going next week, the month of August. All right, hopefully you can join us, and I can dress in normal clothes next week. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Uh, praise team will come. Uh, we'll collect your cards. Like I said, we got five giveaways this morning, so make sure you put your card in. There's five. Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for your love for us, your forgiveness of us, uh, supplying all that we need, uh, a power source that uh, we can be more than conquerors, (laughs) uh, super conquerors. Uh, That is so awesome. But God, we don't live that way sometimes. We get knocked down and we feel defeated, discouraged, and God help us apply these promises to our lives because uh, when we're paralyzed by guilt, we, we, you can't use us, and uh, we want to be used, God. Uh, we thank you for Jesus. We will pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower, that they would step across the line today and accept that gift, that they would want to be declared not guilty. That's all you have to do, accept Jesus' gift. He's, he died for you. If you accept it, you invite him into your life. It becomes your gift. It becomes the possibility for you to be declared not guilty. God, we, it's mind-boggling to believe that you do that for us. That is your amazing love. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.